here tonight for a nice little friendly conversation. I have some stuff to do in a short period of time. The band and I have to get together to practice some music for a gig that we're playing next Wednesday. The 18th. So that's Thursday. It's one of those days. But anyhow, here we are tonight to kick off a new week. And we have a great guest coming back on. This is only the second time he's been on, but we've known each other forever, so I don't know why the hell this doesn't happen more often. His name is Matt Christensen. Many of you have probably been subscribed to him for some time. He does really tremendous, clean, not too overly emotional uh, analysis of current events. I aspire to be him in some ways because I don't want to. I don't want to let my. Uh, I don't know. Let my personality get in the way of of some cold, precise commentary. But anyway, he's uh, he's going to be coming on tonight and hanging out. He's wonderful. He's got a great uh, great broadcast that he does with his co-host Blonde. That's a couple times a week. I know he has a weekend show. I forget everybody's broadcast schedules, though. I was on his show once. In fact, I was filling in for Blonde when she was having her child. And uh, I think I think quite a few of you who watch the show now know me because of that night. So I'm very grateful to him for having given me an opportunity to, to chill with him on his wonderful platform uh, a year or two ago. And now here we are, and we're going to be hanging out on a really hot, balmy night in August 2022, August 8th to be exact. I believe this was the day that, was it Sean David Morton said that we could be getting something cataclysmic happen on the 8th of August? It could have been Sean Morton. I don't know who it was, but I've been waiting. I've been uh, eyes peeled. Obviously, uh, cataclysm is not hard to to see if it's going on, but uh, so far so good, I would say. But there's plenty of hours left in the day, so let's not let's not speak too far above a whisper. All right, what else do we have going on? Um, that's just really it. We're going to be shooting the shit about things going on over the weekend and what we're faced with right now. I have a pretty good grab bag, so let's get into that, shall we? Oh, but first, I have to thank everybody. I uh, thank my sponsors for the night. And that is BlueMonsterPrep.com. You all know Blue Monster Prep because I talk about them all the time and because so many people in the audience are already going to them for all of their prepping needs across all major categories. That is communication and water uh, filtration and food and first aid, whatever it is, BlueMonsterPrep.com. They only service this show. Okay? Obviously, they've, they've worked and they have trained emergency personnel, paramilitary all over the country for, uh, for years and years. That's where they get all of their wonderful experience. But uh, they, they are frankly, they are members of this audience. So when you get in touch with Pat and Gina at Blue Monster Prep and you say, I don't know where to start and I don't have that much money to begin with, they will say, not to worry, my fellow, frankly. We will tell you exactly where to start and how to chip away at this because everybody needs insurance of some kind. This is insurance you can eat. I, I once had somebody, I was, I remember I was sitting around during a lunch break 
it was a lunch break, maybe when I was working at Models or something. I didn't have a lot of money. And I was hanging out with one of the guys from Ghana. Sam. Sam the man. He was he actually taught me most of the Italian I know, Sam. Because he lived in Sicily for a while. And um and he said he said, Frank, you can't eat your money. Because I said I was hungry, but I, I, I only had $10. I had to, you know, I can't just blow all my money on, on a bagel and cream cheese and whatever. He says, Frank, you got to eat. Can't eat your money. I said, okay, you're right. I can't eat my money. But you can eat your food that you get from BlueMonsterPrep.com. Okay? All right, especially if they, they, uh, they blow off one of those EMPs that they're going to, um, that they're going to blame on Vladimir Putin, who's, uh, who is always sick but only getting healthier. He, he literally skips off of planes now. He skips. He's going to start playing hopscotch off of planes. He's so sick. Any day now. Um, I also wanted to say that this week I will be raffling off all of the Super Chats. You can send in at least just one Super Chat this week at, at, at about a yeah, minimum you can send is a dollar. We are raffling off of we are raffling off Matt's survival notes. So on Friday, we will pick a winner. I have two notes, survival notes from Matt. That is uh, Matt that hangs out with me on Friday night. So these are his survival notes of how to survive a, a shark attack. Everybody liked that one. And this is the survival notes, the five tips of how to survive an encounter with the Loch Ness Monster. So I will, um, I mean, you, you can frame these. Here, here, right, here's tip number three for surviving a a uh, shark attack in the Long Island Sound. Whilst being mauled to death, attempt to stick a hand in the gill of the fish, poking its eye works too. If it's a male shark, which you have to first inspect while it's attacking you, if it's a male shark, do some gay shit to it. It won't like it, so it will flee the gayness. Everybody needs these at home, so remember, Super Chats, I only count one, so I, I don't care if you guys send as many Super Chats as you'd like to put in your thoughts for the show. But uh, it, just to make it fair for everybody, all you got to do is send one and it enters you in and you can't give yourself an unfair advantage. So just letting you know. And I'll send, a, I'll send a Polaroid and a postcard with that too. So it's not just Matt's chicken scratch. But they are relics of the show. So, All right. Let's move on. Oh, speaking of raffles... I know I raffled off one of my copies of David McCullough's classic 1776. David McCullough died today at age 89. Uh, I think he wrote a, a very famous John Adams and a very famous Harry Truman novel or, or I don't know, biographies as well. I think those won awards. 1776 is just a basic. You have to have that in your library. But David McCullough died at 89 and at 70 dead at 73 Olivia Newton John 1 10 p.m. John Travolta posted about Olivia's passing saying my dearest Olivia you made all of our lives so much better well what is this what what happened um she died peacefully at her ranch in Southern California Monday morning surrounded by family she'd battled breast cancer for more than 30 years a specific cause of death was not given, although a source close to Olivia told TMZ after a 30-year cancer journey, she lost her battle to me, uh, met, uh, met, uh, metastatic uh, breast cancer. So, very sad to hear. Greece was just on the other day. My mother was watching it. 
that race in the ravine is so ridiculous still to this day. Such a stupid race. Such a stupid car race. Really is. When the side of Danny Zuko's car just gets chewed up like it was tinfoil. It's like, who the hell, who built this car? That's tinfoil. This is stupid. But what are you going to do? You know? What are you going to do with all the high schoolers that are 35 years old? <laughs> that's, that's funny. I actually looked into why everybody in Greece, the original Greece with Olivia Newton-John, everybody was at least 27 years old and up um, when they're supposed to be 17. And it was because of child labor laws. A lot less negotiating. So I can understand that. I guess I can understand. they got to stay on their budget. But um, yes. All right. Into the grab bag we go. As if we haven't already been grabbing the bag. Here it is. Mayor Adams. He's a very smart man. Not just kidding. Eric Adams, the next, the latest dummy to be elected mayor of New York City. He asks for photos. That's what they're, they're looking for. They're looking for now people to submit photos to uh, when they apply for city jobs in an effort to increase diversity, which I think is actually a great thing because it sounds like they're going to actually start hiring some white and Asian people. So this is very heartwarming. Want to increase diversity? That's the way you do it in New York City. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams is collecting headshots of potential city workers in a thinly veiled effort to increase diversity. Hate that fucking word. I hate that word. It's another one of those words. It's not even, it's not real. It's just a, it's a, it's a switchblade. It's not even a word anymore. It's a switchblade. Means nothing. Oddity Central. I can actually sympathize with this guy in a little, uh, in a certain way. A man steals. This is in Thailand. A man steals so he can get arrested because he can't afford to be free. Think about that. This is very deep. This is very. This guy's a deep thinker. Okay. A 60-year-old man in Thailand recently caused shockwaves throughout the island nation after he stole from a pharmacy so that he can get arrested and go to jail because he was too poor to make ends meet. It's sad and it's deep. The unusual incident reportedly happened in the afternoon of July 29th at a pharmacy in Chonburi province, south of Bangkok. Six-year-old man later identified as Pichit. Uh, or Fitchit, Fitchit by the police, was caught stealing three bars of soap worth about 47 American dollars. The place had to clear, uh, had very clear warnings against shoplifting with perpetrators risking fines up to 30 times the value of the stolen goods and even jail. However, in this case, the staff was willing to let the old man off the hook and a bystander even offered to pay the fine for him, but he wouldn't have it, insisting that the staff call the police on him. He demanded he be arrested for his crime, so the pharmacy staff had no choice but to call the police. During questioning, the man said that he preferred to spend some time behind bars where he would receive three meals. This is sad. That's, this is a sad story. I don't blame him. I really don't blame him. And, if, and when I get out, I would, I would, just, I would go punch somebody in the, randomly in the face. I'd actually go punch a police officer in the face. Then, then they'd throw him a beating. You have to do something nonviolent. Okay, no, I wouldn't do that. See, I, I would have checked myself before I wrecked myself. Uh, here's a little heartwarming story. I would like the children to leave the room for a second. Got to talk to mom and dad or grandma, aunt, uncle, whoever you're staying with, your camp counselor. What time is it? No, you shouldn't be with your camp counselor still. <laughs> it's 7.10. 
Kick the camp counselor out. They should not be there. Uh, it's 7.10 p.m. Are they gone? Okay. If they're not, it's on you. Headline. I almost died during orgasm when sex position popped my aorta. My aorta. Your aorta in your heart. This broad got her aorta popped. Uh, bet she didn't see this coming. Achieving the big O left a Mississippi woman saying, uh-oh, as she nearly died while having an orgasm. A new medical study details. The patient was having sexual intercourse with her husband. Well, that's good. That's the good news. And during her orgasm, she felt a pop in her chest with radiation to her back. Research... Oh, God. I'm taking deep breaths all of a sudden. Research recently published in American Journal Case Report explained she stated that her legs were pressed against her chest. Whoa. You got a visual of that one? I do. Per the medical journal, an unnamed 45-year-old woman from Hattiesburg, I think that's where, I think that's like in the, the area where Tim Gordon lives, was rushed to the emergency room of her local hospital after suffering from stabbing chest pains with 10 out of 10 pain levels. She was also afflicted with sudden case of nausea and shortness of breath. Now, what happened, though? They checked her vitals. The woman had an alarming blood pressure, 220 over 140. Oh, jeez. The patient had passed a medical history of hypertension, admitted to be approximately 17-year history of tobacco abuse. Abuse. So she was smoking about six to seven cigarettes, six to seven cigarettes a day. But um, that's what they found this thing broke open. Her condition, medically known as acute aortic syndrome, or AAS, is on the spectrum of severe life-threatening disease and uh, if left untreated, the rip can lead to death and on average has instantly killed 40% of sufferers. Instantly killed. Well, you're exploding your heart, so yeah, I guess so. The tear often begins as the aorta is weakened over time and erosion is typically... And then she was being crushed. She was being pressed. Just crushed. So, luckily, she was okay. And they were actually able to avoid surgery on her, too. So, good for her. Um, So, I guess you can call in later on tonight if you have ever died from sex... Or you can send me an email. If you've ever died from sex, please get in touch with the show. Now, there's a topic. If you're still dead, if you're still dead from sex you had any time in the past, get in touch with the show. And, oh, and uh, by the way, I cannot wait for the new forum to go up because everybody who thought that it wouldn't be a good idea to have that funny walking in on your parents thread, you thought it wouldn't be a good idea? Somebody already sent me a story. It was actually uh, two stories. One about her and one about her brother. These are hilarious. If, if all we ever collect are these two stories alone, hilarious. That is going to be such a good night. Don't worry. It'll be on a Friday or a Saturday night. But just letting you know. Okay, 714. Now, here's a little something I want to bring up before we get into... Uh, we start the show. And that is... The winners and losers of the Inflation Reduction Act. 
Now, I haven't gotten into this deeply enough, but what I was uh, concentrating on is the IRS. This is a, an enormous, an enormous blow to liberty. This is, this is very bad stuff. This bill, which is nearly a trillion dollars, they're just, they're just picking the bones off the corpse right now. Or the meat off the bones of the corpse. The bill will give $80 billion to the IRS over the next 10 years to expand its audit capabilities, as well as a bevy of technology upgrades. Meanwhile, electric car makers got an extension of a popular $7,500 per vehicle customer tax credit for EVs, but would have to comply with strict battery and critical uh, mineral sourcing requirements demanded by Cinema and Mansion, which could render the credits useless for years. 87,000 new IRS agents higher taxes, and a massive green energy slush fund. Anyone who says this bill reduces inflation is lying. They don't care about reducing inflation. The people who are voting, even though voting really doesn't even matter when it comes to Democrats winning anymore, the people who think that there are, these, these are good ideas don't even know how to define what money is, where it comes from. They don't understand shit. They don't understand. They don't care. They are... Forever infants, forever infants, and that is why things like this go on, because anybody who's ever had to balance a checkbook, anybody who has a basic understanding of what money is and how the value is derived, um, they would, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, they would say, can we, can we not end life as we know it? Can we pump the brakes and not end life as we know it? But they don't care. Full steam ahead. Full steam ahead, 87,000. Somebody did the math. They said there's about 3,006 counties in the United States. That means that there are about 29 new IRS agents per county. So if I were going to make any kind of assumption, knowing how horrendous um, government is, no matter who is running it, when it gets this big, it is nothing but an evil. They are going to ring the life out of whatever life is left in the American people. They're going to confiscate wealth. They are going to confiscate homes. They are going to put people in the poorhouse. And this is why I say I never, I never judge. I never judge a person for hiding their money. I never judge a, a celebrity for, for evading taxes, for anybody for evading taxes. I don't do it because I don't want to go to jail. Some people think they can get away with it, and some do. Others try to get away with it, and they don't. Either way, I give them credit for trying to hide all of their money from the evil that is our federal government. I give them credit for trying. I only come down on the hypocrites who talk about fair share this, fair share that, but try to reduce what they pay and try to hide and try to embezzle BLM. Fair share bullshit. I don't care. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or nothing. I, your money is yours. Your money is yours. So there's that patriotic duty to pay taxes right out the window. All right, ladies and gents, we will be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere because we're starting this one off in style. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. 
Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Listen, I got a little something here. I was going to do one thing to start the show off before I got Matt Christensen on, but uh, might as well jump into this now because it's breaking all over the place. Donald Trump, uh, Trump says the FBI has raided Mar-a-Lago. One of the things I was going to ask Matt Christensen tonight is uh, whether or not he believes or what he believes the October surprise is going to be because, you know, Democrats have nothing. They have nothing but lying and screeching and, um, and of course, f- f- falsely framing, f- entrapping. They're terrible people, and all of their Republican colleagues are, too. But um, this has been pretty apparent to me that they are going to try to at least indict or arrest Donald Trump prior to October for that to be the surprise when... Joe Biden and his son should have been taken in two Octobers ago. Should have been taken in right off the bat. Um, but what do we have here? What do we have here? I might as well just read this. You know what? I might as well just read this. Um, I might as well do this with Matt Christensen on the show. Why not? I mean, it's breaking at this point. We should just do it. Hey, Matt, are you there? I am, yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, hold on a second. Let me get to... I wasn't going to pull you in this uh, this soon, but you know what? I, I looks like we have to. Everybody, welcome Matt Christensen to the show. It's so great to have you back on here again, man. How's everything been with you and the family? Oh, I'm great, and thank you for the kind words. Uh, not overly emotional, I think, is a, a very kind compliment. Something I aim for, so I appreciate that. The other thing is... Uh, man, here, I thought I was going to be able to come onto your show and hijack this breaking news. Oh, I don't know if Frank has seen it. Mar-a-Lago Radio. And then, you know, a minute before I join. You Why don't you report on I mean, I have two things. I have two <laughs> things that are that were posted on the front page of the Drudge Report right now. I have the Washington yeah. Examiner and uh, the Washington Times. Uh, what have you read so far? Do you want to you read? Do you want me to start? We can go paragraph by well, paragraph. I'm looking at the only report that matters, and that, of course, is straight from CNN.com. But it's about, uh, it's three paragraphs. And all it says is the FBI executed a search warrant on Monday at Mar-a-Lago. Trump declined to say why the FBI agents were there, but he did say that they even broke into his safe. Uh, Quote, Trump, my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Agents, And they're just referencing the statement that he released on Truth Social. So as far as I'm aware, there isn't more information than that. 
He says Trump in the statement, nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant, uh, with the relevant government agencies, this, un- uh, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the justice system, and an attack by the radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. I was going to ask you about this later on in the discussion that we were going to have tonight, Matt, about what you think the October surprise was going to be. And it is, it's been clear with Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn, while he was still relevant before he kind of torpedoed himself, um, that the, the biggest play that they were going to really focus in on with their most dangerous opposition was the play of disqualification. And they obviously that's what they want to try to do here. Yeah, I think that's a fair read. I don't know. I've never been good at predicting the next moves. I remember, um, God, it was right after the second, or no, it was after the uh, the first impeachment when that failed. We were sitting around on our stream thinking, okay, what's the next thing? Rolling into 2020, what's, what's the next thing? What are they going to do this time? We floated a whole bunch of ideas. Of course, uh, multi-year virus that would upend just about everything was not uh, accurately predicted. But yeah. I think that's the only prediction you can make safely is that there's going to be some kind of wrench thrown into it, obviously. I don't know. If I, if I was great at predicting their next move, I'd, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I, have no, I have no great foresight on that. I just know there's going to be meddling, obviously. I just wonder what the hell this is in particular. I obviously, we'll, we'll know soon. If it is an August raid, I'd have to imagine that's going to set them up for some sort of a September... Uh, or October play on whatever they think that they're acquiring, but to even raid a safe, jeez, jeez. I, yeah. I, 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 I wonder what the warrant read, how the warrant read must have been incredible. The D, but the DOJ, uh, have you and Blonde been talking in particular about the, the, the personalities running the DOJ right now? Well, that's funny you say that because we were just talking last night about the, uh, the moderate, by-the-book, man-of-principle Merrick Garland. He can't be described as anything else. But we were talking about how he's going after um, several police officers in the Breonna Taylor case. And they're not the the officers who raided her. Uh, They are officers who uh, took part in securing the warrant for that raid. And what Merrick Garland is ostensibly all upset about is they falsified information uh, when they went after that warrant. And so on principle, I've been told that the DOJ... Very, it takes a strong stance against any kind of funny business with warrants. We'll we'll see what sort of funny business may or may not exist on this Mar-a-Lago warrant. I, I well, I, you know, from that same that very same even keel responsible man of the law, as you were you were just saying before. I forgot all of the the glowing reviews you gave him right there, but he was he was for him to have said on several occasions that he and a team a team of lawyers have been watching this this January 6th thing with bated breath and, you know, at the edge of their seat, popping the popcorn and, and thinking about what they can do uh, on a prosecutorial level, it's it's pretty serious. And as I said before, um, I don't know your take on this because I've, it comes up every so often on the show. I haven't covered the actual hearings, but the fact that they're going on is a very, very important thing for people to realize w- what it's all about. And it's about weaponizing the infrastructure that they made after 9-11 and pointing it inward to us, in, inward toward us officially, that we are now the terrorists. And um, 
and and it's about making anybody who walks even slightly parallel or alongside in lockstep with uh, Donald Trump on any even moderate issue, it's going to put them in a category that can only be described as terroristic, I'd have to imagine. That's how they're really trying to pigeonhole us all. Yeah, and if any of that stuff is going to be weaponized for electoral purposes, I, I had thought that if Merrick Garland had the goods to bring a charge through the January 6th committee, he he wouldn't wait on that. He would jump on that. The second he could do it, he probably would. But maybe the miscalculation in that thinking is uh, the timing is key. Uh, they have to uh, they have to make sure that it is maximized for some sort of electoral usefulness. And maybe back in the spring, it's not as useful as say as it as it is uh, now in August or rolling into the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, we're we're just gonna have to see. I mean, this is very this is fresh news. So I don't know if anything gets added onto this in the next couple of minutes. But you know, I was reading. Uh, to get to get off topic and and uh, and kind of reset ourselves here, before I I was going to come on here, I was reading this Reddit post. I, it was all screenshots. Ever since my subreddit got taken down, I, I just I deleted the app. I don't even want to have anything to do with it anymore. But um, I was reading these screenshots that were sent to me of a European who was visiting L.A. Matt and for the first time said they they were shocked and they really need to vent about what they saw. And when they when they went to L.A. They are saying this. I'll read you a little bit of the first one. I'm visiting L.A., and for the first time, as I'm attending a scientific con- con- conference this week, honestly, I'm shocked. I did not expect this. Let me start by saying positive things. Americans are remarkably friendly. Many people go out of their way for you and all blah, blah, blah. There are, there are very warm conversations. Many young people are progressive. Uh, they want a better world, and they're volunteering and blah, 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 blah. Now goes on to the ax- absolute di- disarray, the, the people just all over the place. You don't know if they're just stoned or dead. There's just shit all over the place, literal shit. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, and at the end, of course, they say, how did it come this far? Are these problems specific to LA or does this, does this provide me an image of all American cities? And it's so funny because they ask, you know, well, people are so progressive, but why is everything so messed up? The answer's in the question, of course, but it made me think about you because hmm. this is part of the reason why we hear about these exoduses from L.A. and everywhere else into places like Idaho, into places like Montana. And I was wondering if, if you have seen firsthand any kind of this, uh, this intrusion from the big cities yet. Oh, yeah. They've, they've turned my county blue. Uh, oh, it's they, like that. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. We have, uh, we have a lot of representation on, say, county and city government, um, in, particularly in Bozeman and Gallatin County. Uh, people who are of that mindset, you know, that uh, the only thing that matters is the uh, demographics on these boards and the results that they achieve are secondary concerns, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, it, it, they, they, they haven't, by no means have they taken over the state of Montana. Our, our state government is actually quite good, uh, and I think it might get even better uh, as we get through this next election. But specific locales, basically, as far as I can tell, what they do is they leave the place that they ruined and they move to, they don't move out to the sticks, generally. They move to one of the bigger cities, and by Montana standards, Bozeman at 50,000 is one of the bigger cities. And they just, they start over there, and I think it's the same sort of thing that you just referenced where, okay, it couldn't be that my worldview and ideology have flaws, it must be that there was some intervening factor back in L.A. or New York or wherever I came from. Something else got in the way. It must have been Putin. It must have been, you know, whatever, whatever 
threw a wrench in the plan. And so, yeah, they come in and they vote for uh, for the last five. I mean, I've I've been living in Bozeman for ten years now. Last five years, especially, I have not seen a tax increase on the ballot be rejected. It does not matter what the tax increase is for. It must be good if it's a tax increase. It mm. must pay for something worthwhile. And um, yeah, it's frustrating. And and what's what's frustrating for people who have been in communities like mine. Uh, obviously, you got people coming. You have two things: the, the market reality just increase the co- increases the cost of living. It's a high demand area, so if you want to get an apartment or a home, very very tough. But it's even tougher when people vote for every tax increase they've ever seen, and it just makes it uh, it makes it um, not obtainable by mm-hmm. uh, for people who have lived here for a long time or for people who you know may not have the coastal money. And what's even more frustrating, there are a lot of cases of, uh, of like family property owners around here who have had property in their family for generations being priced out by the property tax alone. You know, who owns the property? Do you own it or, do, or does the government, and specifically now the coastal influx who has control of that government, do they, do they uh, actually own it? And can they price you out of your, your grandpa's farmland? Oh, you see a lot of that going on. So I know that you, I, I heard that you mentioned, um, or we were discussing privately, at least you have finished Yellowstone. Um, the themes of Yellowstone are very much real. Obviously, uh, John Dutton is dramatized, but the themes of that influx and the destruction of an old way of life are very much real. And it's happening in this locale, but it's happening kind of all over a lot of rural parts of America. You know what you got to read? I don't know if you've read this yet, uh, Matt, but there is John Rappaport. He put together on his Substack. I read this on my show maybe, I don't know, two months. It might, it might have been back in May or something. And he says this. This was back in May 12th. He published this. Why I've been writing about Yellowstone at Substack. And he, he really jumps into, it, it's really just wonderful how how he, he puts into frame what it, it's all about and all the different types, the, the levels of involvement there from state government, federal government, the city slickers that come in and do their thing. I mean, from a, from a standpoint, first of all, when you said Bozeman and 50,000 and that being a big city, I think about my little village over here. We are two square miles, Matt, and um, we have unofficially, officially, unofficially, over 70,000 people in this, in this village. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Um, it's just incredible. And the lack of representation, like we talk about the Constitution and how it's pretty much moot at this point. But your, I mean, that city of Bozeman would ha- should have one and a half representatives in, this, in, in the, uh, the House alone. 30,000. That's what was prescribed by the framers. And it's just, it goes so far by the wayside. And we do the same thing with the spending here, too. Um, we have an Im- illegal immigration problem. You probably have a big city slicker problem, and the Starbucks crowd is coming in. Is that really pretty much what's going on? Yeah, there's some. I mean, we're right on I-90, so you get some of the drug trafficking. There's some of that. Uh, we actually had an illegal immigrant commit a a murder in town, uh, like within the last month. And this is a town that has maybe one per year, maybe one every other year, as far as uh, cases of murder. Hmm. I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, I, I think it was a case of an illegal immigrant killing another illegal immigrant. But um, obviously, we're a northern state. We don't have. We're not facing the brunt of uh, the border wave or something like that. But because we're on a major east-west thoroughfare, we do get some of uh, some of that. But you're right. It 
the problems here are mostly created by people fleeing that sort of situation uh, only to do their best attempt at recreating it once they arrive. Yeah. Yeah. And um, over here, as you were saying, how you're getting priced out of family. I thought that this would be a place where our families would always be. And I know some people leave the north just because they can't take the winters anymore. But other than that, it's really so much more that you have a town full of do-gooders that are always voting yes on $80 million school bonds that they're trying to expand these old schools to accommodate for the influx of illegal immigrants and their children. And uh, and from there, it's it we're, we're just in debt. And because they're they're running out of money over here, they keep approving all these huge building projects. So all these huge residential buildings are coming in for young professionals, they call them. And all they're thinking about is each building is going to bring in at least a million dollars of taxes that we're going to have to offset because we're, we're, we're no cash poor now. But now we're overcrowded. So it's, uh, it's such a horrible thing. And I see this kind of thing happening all over the country in different ways, customized to, you know, the, the location, Montana, New York. Um, who, who the hell knows where it's going next, man? How's your family, though? Oh, we're great. Yeah, uh, our son is... Uh almost a year old he'll be one year on the second is he walking yet so very very close he just got a new toy today like a like a a horse that you can saddle up on and kind of scoot around on or you can use it as a like a walker you know yep so i i mean he he likes to stand up on things climb on things he doesn't need a lot of uh assistance but the the actual steps are not are not quite there yet, so just a little bit off. Oh, when, when he's when they're at that point, you are so close. It's gonna be great. Yeah. It really is. He's got the uh, jack o' lantern teeth coming in, you know, like the two top, the two yes. bottom. Yes. Oh, you know what great. I did? Yeah. You know what I did? I I it was I don't know when it was that uh, Aurora's two bottom teeth came in, but when I saw her first te- tooth come in, I was drinking my coffee. It was in the morning. I was in the back porch, and she was just you know crawling around and stuff. So I put her on my lap, and I put the coffee mug, the styrofoam mug, up to her mouth, and I told her, I said, bite, bite, and she she, she bit down on it so I can get the imprint of her tooth. And we still had this yeah. little piece of styrofoam <laughs> a clipped, clipped on our refrigerator with that little scrape from her tooth. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, little things. I, I don't have the first bite. I've lost that memory. Oh, you're screwed. But that's the th- it's gone. that's the thing you kind of realize too is um, it all happens so fast. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but now once you're in it, you know you hear your parents say things like that, or but once you're in it, uh, you realize okay that little development, that thing that happened yesterday, that's now gone. And mm-hmm. and that first year, I I I guess I don't know what's to come in the future years, but that first year really strikes me is that little that little first thing it's here in a flash and it's gone so you you really got to take the time to experience it and enjoy it it's a little existential crises along the way little little existential crises along the way where you realize oh this is so precious and as soon as you you uh, understand what's happening you 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 just feel it drift into the past and and it's just whatever and every picture you take you realize that's gone. That's gone. That's gone. But you know the good yeah. thing about you, you and Lily, you're going to actually be able to keep the teeth. So forget about the first bite. <laughs> You'll be able to collect the teeth soon. So yeah, yeah. All right. So let me ask you about this. Um, you just had Robert Barnes on to talk about the Jones, Alex Jones trial. I think we're getting closer to having him on on another show that I do. But and I wasn't able to watch yours yet. But I'm, 
I'm fascinated uh, about this trial from a free speech perspective and, and as far as American jurisprudence and what the hell it, this is and isn't. What was the most important things you took away from this talk with Barnes and Alex Jones? Yeah, if anybody's interested in all the really specific legal technicalities, I would certainly recommend Robert Barnes because, um, well, he's the one guy, whether you agree with him or not, he's the guy that has all the knowledge of all of these technicals and knows that trial front to back. When you look at your typical news coverage, I don't mean even, you know, your mainstream sources or whatever. It's just, it's glossing over a ton of information that's that's really crucial and relevant. But I think for... um, you know, for, for guys like you and me and, and people who are in our communities, the, the biggest concern is exactly what you hit on. It's, it's the boundaries between what is considered free speech and what's considered uh, defamation, or in this case, the intentional infliction of emotional distress. And watching from afar, I was under the assumption that Alex Jones had said something like, Those, like this specific Sandy Hook parent is a crisis actor. Okay, you make a specific false claim about a specific person that is damaging to them. That, as far as I understand, and again, um, I, I may need to be corrected on some of this stuff because I have not filed the trial front to back, but that's why I was talking to Barnes. There really isn't a specific claim like that. There are broad level claims about a class like, say, maybe this group of people, I think they are crisis actors or I think this is fake. But to, but to cross that boundary and to say like a broad level opinion about a group of people is sufficient to hold you liable for, in this case, tens of millions of dollars to be paid out to a specific individual who, again, as far as I understand, Alex Jones did not reference specifically by name. We're really blurring that line between what is a specific false claim about a person that damages them a defamatory claim my question or too. even a sort of a, hara- a point of harassment where you you cause them emotional distress to just i have a broad level opinion about a news event that is counter to what the official story is or you know it may be outright false but that's really what i was hoping to understand with barnes is this is still america as matters of opinion you're allowed to have wrong opinions too. And the second that we're all liable for wrong opinions, I mean that that is the end of not just your ability to speak on the internet. That's that's teetering on the end of your ability to th- think freely within your own mind at that point. And that this is really really dangerous stuff. And um, and so it, it was a it was a good productive conversation with him. I I uh, I'm glad we had it because I thought that. There were, I just thought it was much more specific. I thought he had said things that yeah. were much more clearly defamatory, and I just don't see it. That's why I, I was trying, I, whatever I have done right now to catch up is, uh, is try to just double and triple check on that fact. Did he, was their names named? And I keep getting no. And if that's the case, I mean, how many times has anybody that doesn't vote Democrat been group slandered? Or group defamed, whether it be you know deplorables, white you know a white supremacist. I I remember the uh, somebody from the week, or one of those ridiculous blogs that that masquerades as a uh, a news outlet, had made it was an opinion piece about how um, the Fourteenth Amendment or something should be invoked uh, to to disqualify all Trump voters because a vote for Trump is a vote for white supremacy and the suppressing of civil rights 
for people of all of their special groups and all that stuff. And I'm saying, so th- there is a blanket statement right there that there is, there's no other reason to, I mean, and uh, I, I've brought up a couple of times, why isn't Bernie Sanders on trial for the Republican softball team almost getting uh, massacred? Why? I don't. I don't. Uh, Merrick Garland and the FBI—they have been—they uh, have been slandering us for how long? No names have been named. So I don't. I don't understand this at all. Did Barnes tell you anything about the cap? Whether or not there is a cap on the the, the rewards that need to be paid? Because we didn't get into that. I did ask him about the prospects for appeal, and uh, he said that on paper it's a great appeal case because, in his view. I mean, you name the Bill of Rights right, and Alex Jones had it violated in his analysis, or there's an Alex Jones exception, according to this uh, courtroom and this judge in that case. But I didn't get into the cap specifically. He, he, it, from what I understand, it sounds like he's not optimistic on the appeal, not because the appeal doesn't have merit, but because it still has to go through the court system in Austin, who is not going to be very kind to that appeal. Now, I don't know if it could still be appealed to, say, the Texas Supreme Court or even the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't know all of that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he made it sound like as long as it remains in Austin, this sort of, um, this sort of abuse is going to stick. Oh, where do we go from here? We got this. It's, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the voting point, too, because one of the things I asked him was, if I what if there's any principle separating what happened to Alex Jones, say from uh, if you remember uh, a month ago or so, there was that ten year old abortion case. Yes, and I was fascinated by that case before the news that it was the product of you know uh, an illegal immigrant boyfriend uh, and all of that. Uh, I thought it was totally fake. It just the, it did not add up. The evidence seemed like it's it was another made up story to support uh, you know pro- uh, progressive policy agenda. I called it fake. I had to come back and say, okay, I guess it's not fake. Here's, let's correct the record. But I asked Barnes, it, under these principles, is there anything saying that, say, that family or that abortionist doctor, could she then come after me and, and sue me for intentional infliction of um, emotional distress? And he said, oh, absolutely. The, to bring back to the point that you made, I hadn't thought of that because I know it sounds crazy, but while we're making... Well, we're doing defamation and emotional distress by inference or through a leap. How far is it to say, well, a vote for Donald Trump or any insurrectionist candidate that they want to declare that way, that that, that is an endorsement of the insurrection. Therefore, you are liable to uh, liable for causing emotional distress to say the Capitol Police or yeah. the families of the Capitol Police or something like that. Uh, I know that that's a little far beyond what happened to Alex Jones, but the point is what's happening to Alex Jones is a step beyond what our defamation and our emotional distress standards are. I don't, as I said with Barnes, the the most foolish thing you could possibly uh, do is think that these people get Alex Jones and then wipe their hands and say, oh, we got him. All right. Nobody left to get. We were satisfied. uh, We've had our fill. And we're going home. And they, the, the lawyers said as much at the trial, we want to get him and everyone like him. I'm paraphrasing. But they, they outright said it at the trial. We want to get people like him. Guess who that is. Yeah, tens of millions. That, I mean, that, there's, nothing, there's nothing different between, uh, different between Alex Jones in their eyes and tens of millions of people that they just want to neutralize. And it's, it's I mean, it all, it's all, I guess, um, par for the course with them. They have been 
just, I, I don't know, laundering tens of billions of dollars over to Ukraine. And there you have over there the Ukrainian government uh, led by the um, the puppet Zelensky. What are they doing? They, they have completely banned all opposition parties and, and, and in media and everything. So you're talking about... You're talking about just across the board making broad sweeping strokes against what is accepted. And, and as you said right there, too, yeah, Alex Jones would be a big fish and they've got a hard on for him. But it's really about creating a precedent. And yeah. if they can go and they can beat up on Donald Trump while he's still in office, what the hell is happening to little people all over the country, especially now that they have, they're, they're putting out almost a, a new 100,000-man army of auditors for the IRS that's going to go out there. I'm just, this is just, it's really, it's really oh, sick. Oh, no, that's, they're only going after monopoly men. You <laughs> of course. It's, it's only the big, rich boogeyman they're going to go get. Not not anybody of normal, modest means, which I, I was listening to what you were saying before I, I joined. And, yeah, I, I agree on the point in general. I understand people have this thirst, I suppose. Oh, that rich guy over there, he owes me something. He should have his property taken to to purchase something for me on principle why do we support these things as though there's any comfort in saying oh we're hiring we're hiring an army of henchmen for the federal government but don't worry they're only going after my neighbor well even if that's true for now uh as is the case with alex jones once they get your neighbor they still have a job to do don't they and uh you're still out there and they still have uh, people to catch so that means they're coming for you next once they're done with the first guy well, they know they also know how to justify their budgets, Matt, and this is the reason the the reason why this is getting exceedingly concerning for people like me and and a lot of people in the audience. And that is when you when you follow the the kind of color revolution model that they have been really overplaying and and honing and and re, repackaging uh, uh, repackaging over the last few generations in different parts of the world ever since they launched Operation Gladio after World War II. It's all coming home now. This, um, this, this creating local and civil discord in places like Asia and the and the you know Central and South America and all over the Middle East and the Arab Spring and all of that. We are seeing it now in the U.S. And when you have the FBI and the DOJ, the IRS, everybody working together to pretty much criminalize opposition to the ruling class which is supposed to be a uh, a bottom-up representative government, quote-unquote, that's, that's a real problem here. And I, I think that uh, when people say they're setting us up for civil war, I think that uh, most people will, will, if you're an American, you go to blue versus gray, battle lines, north versus south. we got the Mason-Dixon line, and that's our divider. Uh, it's not going to be like that. Uh, but th- they are setting us up for some real nasty local um, confrontations, I should say, especially confrontations between state and federal government, because many states are going to stand up for their citizens, and there's going to be a a struggle for supremacy, and who the hell knows where it goes? I mean, they they, they want this. In the chaos, they can continue working, but if there is no chaos, they they know that they're working inside of a house of cards here. Well, that's why we have to get you out to Montana. There's plenty of wilderness in which you can hide in such a scenario. But uh, on the other side of it, you know, the, the, the question is how, how far do you want to flee and how long are you willing to hide? Yeah. And I, 
I'm not a confrontational per, uh, person by nature. I just, you know, I, I don't, it, I'm fundamentally a leave me alone and I leave you alone kind of person by nature. So if I don't like it here, mostly I'm fine and inclined to go set up shop somewhere else where I do like it. The trouble is though, to your point, uh, how long is that trail going to be chased? And I'm convinced it's to the end of the earth. And, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what to do about that. Um, and whenever I hear you know, people like you who are in New York or you're in California, we, we have uh, a lot of people in our audience too, who, who we talk to, who wonder, is it better to flee where I am or is it better to stay and fight for the place that I've lived my entire life? And I've always thought, well, if you don't like it there, you know, I know you've had a long time connection to it, but go set up shop somewhere else. But what, what's the point of doing that if they just chase you to that point and you have the same confrontation? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we tend to think that like, oh, New York and Montana are, are so drastically different in that way. Not really, man. Not really. Like the people who are finishing up ruining that part of the country, they just they pack up and they they head west or they head into some other rural area to to do it to the next spot. And, and I don't I don't know what to do about that. It, it does make me worry for the future. Well, not only that, but if you've ever seen the the, the state of New York's uh, voting map, uh, it is a red it's a red state save for the New York City area, the Buffalo area. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, it's just we got this this southeastern armpit of the state that ruins everything. I wish we had an electoral college here in New York. Um, I, I know most people say, well, listen, f- cows can't vote, Frank. You're, you're talking about where the people are. Well, no, that's not necessarily true either. We're, we're, we're almost like 24 million people. There's only about 8 million people in, in uh, New York. God knows how many of them are actually citizens. So it's, uh, it's, it's a serious thing. That's why we always ask ourselves, what do we do? We really, re- we really retreat? Do we really? If you're living in West New York, you're definitely not retreating from that. Even though Albany is nuts and New York City controls a lot of things, but you're pretty well insulated. You're three and a half hours away from it all. What do you do? So it's a, it's a question a lot of people are asking. And um, me, I'm I'm just I'm. I'll tell you what it is, and this is a little bit more ridiculous over the top. But I'm really gauging whether or not we are going to be the uh, the test site for some kind of a nuclear uh engagement i don't know if somebody's going mm. to drop a nuclear bomb or set it off under the water off the coast of the uh the sound i i don't know that's what i'm most well, worried about well if you had any illusions about these people having moral boundaries i hope they were shattered during the last two years of corona nonsense these are people who will ruin your life and tell you they're doing it because it's in your best interest. They will drop a nuke in your town and tell you that it was for the greater good. <laughs> like that, these, I, there is nothing, if these people decide that it is in their ideological interest to violate every right you have up to and including <laughs> radiating you into oblivion, they'll do it. Um, so yeah, that, that's another reason I hesitate to make the sort of predictions you were talking about. I, I, what is the limiting principle here? At what point would they ever stop? I, I don't think it exists. I've never seen it. Well, let me. As far as limits and ethics goes, let's change topic just a little bit because I would love to sure. bring up something like this. It goes into and it does tie into a lot of the other things that we hear from 
I mean, I guess day to day, not even time to time anymore, day to day. This is this kind of transhumanist stuff that is being pushed out by the World Economic Forum, the, the, the questions about where the human experience should be stretched out, how it could be, uh, I don't know, I should say amended, uh, how it could be modified in any way, shape, or form, and of course, what systems are we plugging ourselves into? It's always plugging themselves ourselves into their systems what kind of our what's our our footprint and all that stuff and managing the world but they also do some other really weird things too that go into your personal lives as you said before um they hated us so much that they actually weaponized our family with the whole covid thing it was a a, a year a two and a half year so far long 9-11 it was a slow motion 9-11 and we were al-qaeda this time around your cousin could have been al-qaeda you just don't know it you better stay away from your cousin and if he doesn't conform with all the then he then he's the new al-qaeda so that was the hard thing about it and then you have these these types of questions here about amazon alexa and all this stuff bringing in the voices of the dead they want to clone the voices of dead relatives and 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 be able to make them available to read you books and 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 weird shit like that it's such a morbid time that we're we're working into right now uh in, any general thoughts on the um i would say the uh the, the meddling with the human form that you want to offer up before we get into this particular story Oh, I was going to ask about the specifics of the story, but we can do that in a moment. Yeah. Um, but but I think that does connect to some of the prior corona nonsense we were talking about. One of the things that drove me nuts, and this is actually, this is what we talked about the first time I was on, which uh, was, what, late March or maybe early April of 2020. Wow. And I remember what you and I talked about way back then was Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, was under all sorts. He was facing all kinds of criticism. Because he had the audacity to say, maybe it's not the best thing for us to try to preserve ourselves by going out and ruining everything that everybody else has. Maybe there's some merit to personal risk assessment here. And he had some commentary on fatherhood, too. I can't remember exactly what he said. But it was something like, you know, as a father, I could not in good conscience ask my children to make these devastating sacrifices on my behalf. And I thought that was so meaningful because fundamentally as fathers that is our job if it comes down to it and it's either a sacrifice of us including our lives for our children um that that's what we have to do and all of this stuff i guess the theme i'm getting at is there was just this irrational fear or refusal to even accept death as not just a possibility but an inevitability for everybody and i of course i recognize we shouldn't do things that bring death to us early you know we, we should all strive for a long life long healthy life with a natural death that's the ideal but we all will die and the the refusal to accept that i think was part of the hysteria surrounding coronavirus and i'm sure it's part of the 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 bizarre products that end up being offered in this case where, where if i understand it correctly they will they'll take a sampling of a, a dead person they refer to the grandma, right? Yeah. They take a sampling, if you have a voice sample, like a audio recording, Alexa or Amazon's technology can take that and then make your dead grandma 
the voice of Alexa and it can read to you or communicate with you in the same way Alexa would. Is that about right? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a very short read. I can read it right. But, you know, getting getting back to what you're saying about the Dan Patrick thing, now I'm remembering a lot more about that time that we spent with each other. I, I can't believe it was that that early on in the uh, in the the experience, the COVID experience too. Yeah. I mean, that April was fresh. I remember in April of 2020, I had my parents over here to do a birthday stream with me, and because um, I was going to announce that the, you know, the we were pregnant, the baby was that was really about it. I didn't even care about my birthday, and it was supposed to be a surprise. And I remember us talking about these ideas. Like my father said something like, "I can't wait." for the party i can't wait for the party that when it's all over and thinking myself yeah that's going to be a great day thinking that that day would actually come uh, yeah. i i knew that this was there was at that point there was this was being they were throwing a saddle on this one and they were going to use it for whatever they could but i i, I thought it was going to be eventually like a you know a vj day where you know the, the, every all of a sudden it's gone and we can go back and and have a a, a giant party in Times Square because the war is over, but that just obviously never came because it's mutating into monkey shit and all whatever. But in, anyway, um, there was also I remember at that time not only Dan Patrick but there was somebody a regular lawyer like a local lawyer from Los Angeles who was put on blast and doxed on um, on Twitter for saying uh, something along the same lines, that, that uh, you know what, the old and the sick, they should stay home. The young should go out and work. There, there's, if this is really what it is, this, this, and uh, it was so, um, I don't know, very, very weird to see people, as you say, react so violent or viciously about something so practical. That's why I always, I always call uh, liberals and the, the status types the party of Anakin Skywalker. They, they want to reverse and, and avoid death so much that they actually become the thing that they hated the most. And yeah. they, they end up destroying everybody along the way. They, they, they offer up all common sense. And then we just start getting very weird. Um, pod living. Bugs. Eating bugs. They literally are trying to live like Renfield from Dracula. And, um, and I, I just... Uh, where do we go? Well, let's read this real quick. Here it is. Yes, uh, why, why Alexa's... Dead Grandma just uh, is just the beginning for voice cloning. Earlier this summer uh, at the uh, Mars conference, an Amazon-hosted event focused on machine learning, automation, robotics at space, blah, blah, blah. They, uh, they aimed to wow audiences with a paranormal parlor trick, speaking the dead, speaking with the dead. Quote, while the AI can't eliminate the pain of loss, it can definitely make their memories last, he said, before showing a short video that starts with an adorable boy asking Alexa, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? First of all, the MK Ultra implications of Wizard of Oz in this bullshit and Google and all that is ridiculous. But secondly... I know the pain of loss is very bad. There is nothing about an artificially generated sound of my grandmother's voice that is going to make me feel better at all. What, I mean, yeah. who, who would be comforted by this? Yeah, I'm glad you made that point because that was my that was exactly what I was thinking too. Is uh, does this actually uh, help the pain? If I have some artificial robotic recreation, it's like going to a wax museum and seeing my loved one recreated oh, yeah. life-size or something like that. It's That's not the person. That's an artificial recreation. And I, get, I, I understand that the preservation of memories is worthwhile, but th that's the point. It's not 
a memory, even if it sounds like them, it's it's a recreation, it's artificial, it's it's not real. And there's again, it's it's about it, to me. It just strikes me as like the refusal or the denial of death itself. It's going to happen to everybody. Part of what that means while we're still here is accepting when that happens to someone you love and and being able to find purpose and meaning in that. Being able to move past it without forgetting what that person meant to you and what their contribution to your life was. But I don't need... <laughs> I need an Amazon digital recreation because nothing about what I shared with that person was uh, was some technology by Amazon Inc. You know, it was it was a real human experience, uh, which can't be manufactured in that way. But we're gonna try. It also, it all. I think also thing, Matt. As uh, as we press on here, I think that the other thing that it prevents us from doing is moving on, and uh, moving on doesn't mean forgetting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where you, we have to be the ones who are now reading the books for ourselves and for the people after that come after us. And I, I just feel like everything that we are dealing with right, and all the great ideas that are supposed to be humanitarian in nature and egalitarian and making everything equal, it is just consistently designed to keep people in some kind of a dependent infantile state and um and and you yeah. can ju- you can just tell by the quality of the debates that we have it's not debates it's just yeah. children screaming at each other constantly well and you think i guess i'm thinking about this too from the perspective of the survivor mourning the person lost but now i'm thinking about it as what happens when i die you know D- do i speaking of the dependence and the mourning for me do i want to be remembered do i hope that i make a contribution to my family and to you know the rest of society of course do I want people to sit around and look at some hologram version of me and not move on uh, with their own lives once my time has passed? I would never want that in my own memory. That just seems like I would feel, I don't know. I just, I would feel like I'm contributing to the dependency of others in the way that you're describing. I don't want to be that for other people. I want to contribute, but I don't want you dependent on me in the way that you're talking about certainly if it's achieved through amazon or whoever else yeah and we also know that there is a hive mind that is forming around this this uh, technology and and god knows what alexa or anybody else would make grandma say or i I mean (laughs) seriously i I mean the, the, the fact that grandma can start talking while you're asleep subconsciously in your that's just that's fucked up dude I, yeah. I mean, think about this because as far as data collection goes everything people have these watches on all the time the computers start knowing where i remember i started getting freaked out that i started disabling a lot of things on the phone obviously you can only go so far but i remember leaving the studio a couple of years ago and it would be around i don't know I'd get off the air at 9 and sometimes it'd leave around 9:20 9:15 but around the same time every day when I'm walking out the front door of the studio, my phone would say, you are five minutes from home. And, and say, <laughs> well, thank you for yeah, the notification. Yeah. You're only five minutes from home. The traffic is fine. Like, it knew I was yeah. leaving. So you're telling me that of all the, 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 the data that they are collecting from us and in the, the times where we are just absent with our phone, obviously we're sleeping, they understand when we're unconscious. And, and to have anything in the in the uh, in the room that can come alive and talk to me in an unconscious state through a, a familiar voice, 
that would be that's that's the makings of some nightmarish schemes yeah there's um i i think kind of an underreported fourth amendment angle on all of that too because you know it's one thing when we all have our phones and you might like the convenience of the location data. You willingly give it to Facebook or whoever. They sell it to advertisers. You get an ad because of it. You're aware of all that, and you don't object to it. You consent to it. Fair enough. That's fine. But the government has become a purchaser of that data. I've, I've found that story to be so interesting over the last couple of years. They don't need a warrant. They're just a consumer of the data like anybody else. They buy it, and strictly speaking, it's anonymized. So they can't see Frank. They can't see Matt. But... If they know a thing or two about Frank, like Frank leaves the studio at 9.15 every night, they might be able to find a dot that sort of matches that pattern simply by piecing together other easily obtainable information. The government itself can spy on you through this stuff very, very easily. And I'm sure they actually have mechanisms that we're not uh, aware of at all. This is just the way they do it. Uh, as a, a, they take your money to buy your data to follow you. Oh, that, yeah. That's what we're dealing with. And it's sort of a gray area of the Fourth Amendment right now because there's no warrant involved. Not only that, Fourth Amendment, but I remember it was, it, it, it was, it was pre-pandemic. I think it was like 2018 or 19 is when the stories started coming out in, in bunches. Newsweek did one of them, I remember. Um, they started coming out in bunches that uh, Alexa... Amazon uh, employees and Alexa was capturing people having sex, like it, it, like oh, so. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have these you have these little uh, pieces of technology that are are in a semi dormant state, waiting for you to bark a command at it. There's obviously something that is still alive and waiting. Yeah, you know it has to be it has to be active. So yeah, for a Fourth Amendment, I mean, damn, 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 it's all. Uh, and who knows? We already heard that the, I, I forgot, it might have been local or even government law enforcement was starting to um, obtain door cam footage hmm. to to prosecute people. And they were taking door cam footage from people and just acquiring it willy-nilly. And uh, it's all around us, man. It, it just really is. It really is. I, I was so like, they, weren't, they weren't given it as part of an investigation. They just grabbed it from some, like they grabbed it from say rings cloud or something like that how did they get it let's see hold on a second amazon ring this is from july 13th amazon gave ring videos to police without owner's permission this is politico um the revelation let's see here the revelation highlights the many ways that police can get footage from ring doorbells and how often it happens without consent this was uh, this is from just a couple of weeks ago, and let me see where it's from. Revelation came in a letter Amazon sent to Senator Ed Markey on July 1st after lawmaker questioned the video doorbell surveillance practices in June. Markey released a letter to public on Wednesday. So it, it, th- these, these are the little tiny stories. Then again, we're, we're so buried underneath this. You remember all the, 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 the days we were talking about prism and, and uh, trap wire and all of the gate recognition and stuff like that to have little tiny webcams on a front door to catch uh, package thieves that's just that's just a cherry on top of what's is what's staring at us all day and there's all kinds of creepy stuff that's been done with uh baby monitor setups you know we 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 have been very conflicted about what system to potentially adopt ourselves uh, because when you put cameras and microphones and things in places and they're connected to the internet 
um, people who you know, it. A lot of times, it's not as malicious as say some big corporate or, or big government actor. It's just a guy who knows a thing or two about vulnerabilities in certain tech systems, and he can get into that. I've heard stories about um, those things being hacked and people actually being able to communicate with the child. Jeez. You know, some, some creeper gets into your system and can actually send an audio signal to the kid through, the, through certain systems. So, I, and, I, and, you know, and monitor the kid by video or whatever they want to do. I have rarely even used the, the voice option with Aurora, Matt. Uh, we don't even do that. When she starts chatting and stuff, we just walk in and, or we knock and whatever. And we, but I, I wouldn't even want a voice coming through a speaker if I was a child from the sky. That's weird. I, and we will not be doing any of it. This is her only her second, um, no, her third, her third Christmas coming up. But we will never be doing any of that elf on the shelf nonsense. Never. But what's that about? You, you, I don't. Well, you know, the, you and Lil never. I'm familiar seen. with the memes, but what is? I guess I don't know what the elf on the shelf actually is. The elf is it on a the, product? It, oh yeah, it's an actual oh. elf that they put on the shelf. That's supposed to be like you know a fun little way of saying the elf. Uh, be good, you know. The elf is around and he talks to Santa and all that stuff. But I mean, that's just that's just. But it's not like a digital thing. He's just like a figurine. No, I don't. I don't think that saying? it's packed. I don't okay. think it's packed full of technology. But just grooming a child to to accept constant surveillance is something. Got it. That it's right. just one less thing you'll get. To, although some of them seem to to like it. The elf shows up on a different shelf every year, every day. All of a sudden, okay. they're on a couch. And how do he move? Oh, I don't know. He must have came alive. But I don't. Uh, I think it's creepy. Well, that that's an interesting topic of of fatherhood too. And and of course, my son's not quite old enough to get it. But one thing I think about is what are the appropriate lines between sort of um, like a, a fun children's fantasy and mysticism versus teaching my son the truth. Like how how deep do I want to go into tooth fairy into Santa Claus, and I don't mean to offend anybody out there who may not have confronted those things yet. Um, I don't mean to insult the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus or anything like that. But I guess what I'm saying is, we, as parents, we all indulge in a little bit of childhood fantasy for fun. What are the appropriate lines and boundaries on that so that you don't create a child that's overly indulged in that sort of thing? I, I, I know, I know. I, I've thought about it a little bit there too, and. I'm uh I don't know I I think I'll I think whenever I think whenever I start encountering this because I'm a year ahead of you, whenever I start encountering this I'll just let you know what I've been what I've been doing and and how to how how I've kind of set her up for future revelations to make the logic consistent. I, I'm yeah. I'm all about making the logic consistent about the spirit of certain things and and about you know our our place in in uh, in life and. That, that's just really what it is. So as long as the logic is consistent, I'll make sure that the right. the magic is still there. But I don't think I'm doing Tooth Fairy at all. I'll talk to Lauren about it, but I think it's, I I don't know. I think it's stupid. I, I would be cool with, hey, hey, you know what? Nope. Hey, you give me your tooth, and I'll give you this $5 bill. And there you go. And and that's fun. But, eh. I guess what I'm so worried about is just the the forces of power in the world are, they, they seize on people's vulnerability to fantasy. You know, and, but then again, fantasy is part of a great childhood. So I go back and forth and 
I'm worried that you know, as soon as he's talking, I'm going to say, listen, kid, the Tooth Fairy is fake. Santa Claus isn't real. Whatever they tell you, the opposite is true. Don't believe anything you hear from anybody but me. And actually question everything you hear from me, too. Am I going to go too far into that uh, with a small toddler such that he never has a childhood either? No, I would no, need no. to do that. No, but... you've, you've, no, no, no. You, you've, got, yeah. you've got to be overly goofy for the next mm. four or five years. You have to, you have to give yourself up to a... A uh, a care for a care a careless sense of goofiness. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Don't. There's 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 more than enough time to be serious. That's uh. You know. Just uh. Keep in mind that one day you're going to have to slowly bring the boil down to a simmer and just yeah. keep the fun transition the fun into a little bit more mature lines of fun and that's what I just think about. But you know we'll cross those bridges when we come to it. Matt, please. Let everybody know what your broadcast schedule is, how they can find you, and uh, and what you got coming up. Because I can't um, I can't think of a better thing to do than to have you back sometime in the fall and to keep this up, and not do it every two years. Yeah, sure. We should at, at bare minimum we should probably uh, get together around uh, election time because oh. that ought to be fun. Hell yeah! Um, it's either going to be the drumming that is deserved, or it's going to be so fortified. A miraculous evening for Nancy Pelosi and company. Either way, it's going to be highly entertaining. So that might be a fun opportunity. But uh, if people are interested in finding my stuff, it is all at mattchristensenmedia.com. Last name is long, hard to spell, but it's Christian like the religion, S-E-N. mattchristensenmedia.com. I'm posting a couple of uh, individual short breakdown videos a week that are single topic focused. Uh, and then I do uh, my Sunday night stream with my co-host Blonde, and we have a guest here or there mixed in, and we're doing kind of like we're doing right now, breaking down the news of the week and having fun with our audience. Uh, and then we also do a call-in show on Wednesday night where we we take calls from. I knew I knew and, you did one one yeah. weekend show, weeknight show. I knew that. Yeah, the uh, the obviously the Wednesday show tends to be much more. I mean, that's totally controlled by the audience. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. So as you're familiar with, that's very free-flowing that's very you you'll you'll get a lot of uh off-topic material on that one well um but yeah mattchristensenmedia.com if you're interested in finding my stuff well i hope that a lot of people go on over there but we we probably have a lot of uh a lot of overlap anyway you're a good friend matt and, and listen if you and blonde ever are short on a guest on a sunday for a, a half hour segment you let me know because i have never had a conversation with her and i wanted to uh congratulate her in in uh in person for because I, I filled in for her when she was having the baby right you were part of show history in that way yeah you're right um and her daughter is now a uh a happy healthy two-year-old so wow yeah, things are going great for her as well well listen all the best to you the son lily and we'll talk soon my friend all right i appreciate it thanks all for right. having me take care Ladies and gentlemen, there he goes, Matt Christensen. He's got a great channel. And listen, we only have a few minutes left. It's 8.17. I have to go in there and work with the guys. We have a uh, a night of playing to do, and we have to do some sharpening up. It's been a little while since we've played, and of course, now we're under the gun because we have a, a show on the 18th. Let's go to your super chats, and then we are ending tonight. Captain Cast Iron says, There is a Black Mirror episode about voice text cloning. It's very disturbing. Everything I've ever seen of Black Mirror is very disturbing. Um, I have watched... I started watching a little bit of it because a friend of mine said, Hey, Frank, you got to check this out. It's like, the, it's like this generation's Twilight Zone, and it is. 
it is very profound stuff, but it's very dark. A lot of these episodes just stick with you for days. And um, so I watched one here, watched one there, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to watch The Office. I, I, need, I just need, some, I need something a little bit lighter. I don't need the reminder of where we are or where we're going constantly. Um, Jesse James says, breaking, Mar-a-Lago raided by the, Fred, the feds. Yes. Yes. Yes, we got that. Um, and I'm waiting to get a little bit more on that. But I guess we're on the same page as everybody else at this point. But that's just, that's the KGB. Listen, I've said it before. NATO, NATO is the new Soviet Union. We are a part of NATO. It's all the same kind of shared ideology. It's becoming more and more globalized, more and more consolidated. This is a straight-up KGB move. That's what, that's what Mar-a-Lago and the FBI represents. That's a KGB move. If you are a part of that raid, congratulations. You are everything that you, were, you have sworn to defend against. Congratulations. Jay Harry says, did the FBI, uh, did the FBI raid Trump's home, Mar-a-Lago? And then Mark Swan, shout out to Matt on International Cat Day. I didn't know it was Cat Day. Headley Bear yesterday says, you were so right, Frank. My mom's surgery went great. She was released from the hospital two days early. She's looking forward to a long, cancer-free life. Thank you for the prayers and all the, uh, all the really, it all really helped both of us. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that, Headley. I remember that super chat. I remember giving you assurances she'll be back. I did not know what it was for, but I'm so happy that they uh, they have cleaned her up. And now, on to living a nice, clean, healthy life and enjoying yourself and your family. I'm happy to hear that. Selling the Farm says, add this to your fund. Love you, Frank. Oh, you guys are so great over there on Rumble. Who we got on Rumble? Oh, we have tremendous audiences tonight. Thousands of people all over the place. And every time I see one, I always think two to three. Because I know people watch by themselves, but there's too many couples. There's too many families that sit around and do this. I know that we have entire uh, salons. Like my friend Kathy out there. Every once in a while, I get an email from Kathy about me and the ladies at the salon. We love you still. So that to know that I'm streaming in some salon somewhere, probably in a firehouse somewhere too. Great feeling. Foxhole says donating. This is from Kobe Wan seventy six. We had a great night, great night on the um, on the stream. Great night on the stream with all the uh, Sunday night stuff, the Sunday night programming that I picked. Frank's picks. What do we have? Something strange is happening in New York City. That was what I played last night from Really Graceful. Uh, K. Boges, this guy, I got to talk about him. I have to get him on the show. Older lion cub teaches each other not to bite the dad. That was fun to see the, the socializing and the, 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 the pride, the group dynamics of the lions. This is all on QuiteBrankly.tv last night. I started around 9 o'clock when we usually go. Then we had Ancient Iraq is a Massive Conspiracy by Bright Insight. That's that Jimmy Corsetti I told you about. Lost Media. This is a new one that was put out by the, the channel called All Time. 
I put in a request to have him on the show too. He's the one that put together that really great half hour video on dead internet theory when we were looking for more um, more material on the topic. And then there's a little bit more from Jimmy Corsetti at Bright Insight last night that we put up there because there is uh, more interesting revelations about the Rashat structure, which is the eye of Africa, eye of the Sahara, that is a really interesting, interestingly proposed possible location for the city of Atlantis, the lost city of Atlantis. And you should really go and check that out. I can't wait. It looks like there's going to be a bigger a bigger video coming out of his soon in the next week or two. And then our feature last night was a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which at least takes care of the whole idea that we went to the moon in 1969. Okay, I'm at least I'm pretty sure that we did not do that. But um, anyhow, the night owl was just as good. Graham Hancock on Art Bell. Midnight in the Desert from 2015, I put that on. So there's always reasons to tune in to QuiteFrankly.tv on a Sunday night. Cast that to your television, and I'll take care of your viewing material for the evening. It's usually really fun, really interesting, really weird. We're coming up on the fall now, so the spooky stuff is coming back. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it all. I'm looking forward to the cool breezes that night coming through the window in the kitchen. I'm looking forward to it all. Um... Now on to Foxhole, Patriot Games says, good evening, good evening to you. Sean Joe, thank you. Omazon, Texas Bear says, get ready, the sheriff is it. Go. Our Cloaked Unseen says, created by God, our spiritual souls were made nuclear. Have no fear about future threats of nuke war. Texas Bear says, keep it up, shit's getting real. Tom Ford, it's okay, Frank, you're outside the blast radius. I am not. Well, take those potassium tablets then, Tom. Uh, Castle Drummer, thank you for the cookie. I need that cookie for some energy. Oh, actually, I have to take my uh, take my um, beef liver tablets. Five of them at a time. Just a little extra protein along the way. Jay Goulinell will be very happy with me. The beef liver is amazing. Um, desiccated, the desecrated, desecrated beef liver. Zoso dude says, gonna grace us with that new shirt one night? Oh yeah, I would Zoso dude if Lauren would stop wearing them. I know she's, I know she's watching right now, so that'll be funny. She was wearing it again today. She has dominated both Zoso dude shirts. She refuses to let me wear them even once. So one night, don't worry, Zozo. Dr. Hoffman says, love the shirt, Frank. Hugs for the chicken nugget. Thank you. Lauren got me this shirt. Radiate good vibes. I've got to wear this shirt because she's wearing all my other ones. And Texas Bear says, from our guys and girls watching Frank and Crime. Frank and Crime? And Fox Lady. Foxy Lady, thank you so much. I'm releasing the scratching over there on Foxhole. We have our Monday night programming coming your way in just a few minutes. Or, I I don't know. Um, I don't know. It may not be. It may not be. Oh, this is from Lawrence. Is they are mine. 
Aurora was kissing it. She was this morning um, when Aurora was eating her breakfast. She, you know, she calls people over for hugs all the time, and she saw. She said she went looked at my uh, Lauren's tie dye shirt from Zoso Dude, and went oh, and then she she grabbed the shirt and she went kissing shirts. And then she wanted to kiss my shirt. I wasn't wearing this one at the time. I've sweated through two shirts already. A lot of working out. And, um, and yeah. I got a text message from Black Conservative Patriot. Got to get him back on in September. He says, Raid on Mar-a-Lago. We are now a bona fide third world banana republic. Absolutely. There's no two ways about it. That is a KGB move. There is nothing that differentiates us. Nothing. I'm surprised that they that they said no to Bernie Sanders' amendment to this Inflation Retaliation Act or whatever the fuck it was. They wanted to create a, a civilian climate corps where they give all the kids $15 to, what, jerk off all day? I have no clue what the hell's going on here right now, but it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're going straight down the tubes. And some people think that this is, this is progress. Those people, pray for them. Don't even get mad. Pray for them. Um, that's it. Thank you guys so much. We, uh, it's the Monday night programming will be going live soon, uh, either right now at 8.30 or at 9 o'clock, but it's Monday, so don't you worry. The guys at the network are going to be taking care of you, and please tip them generously because all those gold pills go right to the production costs of this network. Thank you all so much. And I will see you tomorrow night. We have two hours to get together. We'll take some calls. We'll do some threads. We'll have a good time. And, um, and yeah, there's nothing else to say on that. 90, no, no. I had the inter- intermission ready to go. Don't need that tonight. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's filmed by a live, in front of a live studio audience. You guys didn't film me, did you? And now our super chatters, Captain Castiron, Jesse James, Jay Harry, Mark Swan, and Headley Bear. Tomorrow's Tuesday, 7 o'clock. I will see you here, or I will come for you. <laughs>